0: You're listening to The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.
1: This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Good news, everybody. Bonfire is back to talk the important issues. For example, Gladiator versus Braveheart. That is a question for the ages, something that I've grappled with for over a decade. You know, ever since Gladiator came out in the year 2000, Braveheart came out in 1996. I believe I saw both of them in the span of a year. Maybe I was 12 years old, 13, so 2002, 2003, something like that. And for years, I've always said that Gladiator was the best of the two. And I had my very specific reasons. Right now I'm going to go over exactly why and why it actually just barely inches out Braveheart. I used to be much more hardcore about it, thinking Braveheart was inferior to Gladiator. But now, after I rewatched them both, I thought, well, it's a close call. Very close call. Gladiator came out uh, after Braveheart. But Gladiator is a fictional story. Braveheart is based on a true story. So we all know how that works. Hollywood takes several liberties with the story. And that's fine. It's understandable. But there is something to be said for the movies that have a basis in reality. A basis in history. Those, I think, seem to speak to people more. So that's what Braveheart has going for it. The fact that it has a tiny piece of history in it. The Scottish versus the English fighting for their independence. Okay. And there actually was a person named William Wallace. Okay. Gladiator, not so much. (laughs) Yes, the Emperor Marcus Aurelius did exist. Yes, there were gladiators. And Rome was a real place. Other than that, I think many of the characters... And the storyline are fictionalized, of course. Now both in their respective years won five Academy Awards. Okay, so they're both great movies. Gladiator got an award for best picture and best actor. Braveheart got best picture and best director. Okay. So those are really those are the big ones, for sure, at the uh, at the Oscars, the Academy Awards. If you get An award for best picture. Then that's what everyone in the general, you know, Academy of the Arts says. Ah, that was the best picture of the year. That's what Hollywood goes for, okay? You want to be the best. Okay, that's just the generic. You are the best picture this year. They both got it. Both movies are rated R, by the way. Just making that clear. And both are about three hours long, okay? So there are a lot of similarities here. Both have lots of action. And a vengeful story behind it. To a degree. Uh, Gladiator, like I said, got Best Picture and Best Actor. Okay, that's a good one, too. You want to be the actor or actress, to be Best Actor of the Year. For Braveheart, he got Best Director. Okay, directors are just as crucial to the movies as the actors. So, the difference? Not a whole lot. But why does Gladiator inch out Braveheart? Here's why. In Gladiator, I think that's the one I saw first, because it was less violent than uh, Braveheart. Gladiator is a story about a man who is he's doing his duty. He's working for the emperor. Marcus Aurelius. And he's the general. He's fighting, doing his thing. He just wants to go home. The battle's over. The emperor calls him in. He says, I just want to go home. That's all I want. I don't want power. I don't necessarily want recognition. Just leave me be. Is my, is my job done? Because, yes, I love you, I love Rome, but I want to go home. I want to go home to my wife and my son. So he has a family, and the family is taken from him. That is, they are killed. Well, in Braveheart, he is a little boy doing his own thing. His parents, sorry, his uh, dad and his older brother are taken from him at a young age. He then retreats away with his uncle, comes back, and says the same thing. I just... I want a family. I want a piece of land of my own. And I want to just be left alone. But yet, they take his wife. And they kill his wife. Now he's pissed. Same thing with Gladiator. They take his wife and his kid. Now he's pissed. Gets a little, He gets a little depressed first. But then he snaps out of it and says, You know what? Yeah, I'm not just going to wander around aimlessly. I have a mission now. My mission is to kill the Emperor. For Braveheart, William Wallace... His mission became, you know what, the English have taken too many. I've seen them do too much. Not anymore. I'm going to fight back. He also fights back for his wife. He does want some vengeance, and he wants to take it out on all the English. Okay. Some serious similarities here between the two. But Gladiator, after I watched it again, I thought it was far and away, you know, superior to Braveheart. But when I watched it again, I thought, actually, it's not so high and mighty as I thought. As I'm watching it, I thought, this is kind of more of a stoic movie. <laughs> it didn't have as much emotion as Braveheart did. Throughout Braveheart, when I watched that recently again, I watched both of them again recently, I found myself getting more choked up, more more drawn into the movie Braveheart than Gladiator. I'm sitting there watching William Wallace go through all this pain and misery... And then going around and kicking some ass. And I'm thinking, yeah, buddy, get some. And, you know, I'm just getting really repped up. I'm thinking, wow. Man, this is getting some emotions going here. When I'm watching Gladiator, I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. All right. Not bad. I had a much more balanced (laughs) reaction when I watched Gladiator. So, still, how does Gladiator inch out Braveheart? I think... Gladiator inches it out because here is a man who had his wife and his son killed. He wants to take vengeance out on the emperor, not the city of Rome. An entire population He doesn't care about these people. Granted, he's a gladiator, and in order for him to meet that goal, he has to kill all these gladiators that are in the arena with him. So yes, he's killing lots of people. But they aren't the target. He's not targeting them specifically, saying, I, I can't wait to slit your throat. No, he's not doing that. He's just saying, I got to stay alive. I got to make it to Rome. And once I'm there, I got to keep doing my thing and get the crowd on my side. And then maybe I can meet the emperor face to face and then do my thing. So that becomes his motivation. He's ultimately directed at that one individual, the bad guy, the emperor, and saying, You killed my family. You are responsible. And Braveheart, yes. His family and his friends are all killed around him, abused, the women, raped, kidnapped. He sees everything happening to his community, not just his family. So he feels more compelled to take it out on the English nation rather than just one individual. He does find the man who killed his wife and kills him, but it doesn't stop there. He goes, well, I'm going to have to kind of push the English out. The English, in general. All the soldiers, the generals, the princes and the kings. I'm going to push them out. That becomes his motivation. So in my mind, Gladiator had a little bit more of a moral vengeance where he wanted restitution. An eye for an eye. Yes, let's just say what it is. He wanted an eye for an eye. You killed my family, I'm going to kill you, Mr. Emperor. Braveheart, He says, you killed, well, this individual killed my family and a number of these soldiers and other abusers have done lots of evil deeds. But I'm going to take it out on the entire army and the city of York and try to continue and push it into England and teach them a lesson. Seems a little bit more (laughs) off the hinges. That's just my opinion. Now, on top of that, Gladiator is very devoted to his wife, his, uh, his dead wife, yes, where the sister of the Emperor is always making advances on him, saying, hey, I want you, and she's you know, <laughs> I don't know what she's doing, but he's thinking, lady, get out of my face, you realize my family was taken from me, I have one goal right now, and it's uh, to kill your brother, and she's okay with that, she says, yeah, yeah, he needs to be taken care of, but she just wants Maximus, she's trying to get Mr. Gladiator finally, I did I actually forget, he does kiss her so this whole time I would remembered, oh, Gladiator, he, uh, he's faithful to his dead wife. He never touches another woman, doesn't look at them. He's singularly focused on avenging his family. Actually, I, well, I forgot. I watched the movie again, and I thought, oh, so you do kiss the, the sister emperor. Okay, well, eh. compared to Braveheart, not as bad. All you did was kiss her, and then he, the story moved on. In Braveheart, he lost his wife... And of course, bit by bit, he starts to fall for the princess. And then he sleeps with the princess. Wait a minute, I thought you were so devoted to your wife and you were trying to fight for her honor. And yet, you go and get laid. Okay, well, obviously not historically accurate. But I am nitpicky here. I had to make a choice between the two. They're very similar. Long movies, lots of action. Good emotion. I I found actually more emotion in Braveheart than Gladiator, but they're both great. Both won five Academy Awards. You know, actually Braveheart looks like it's 1995, and then five years later, Gladiator. So, you know, the turn of the century. Somewhat similar time frames as far as when Hollywood made them. So all these similarities and close proximities, I had to make a choice. And my choice is still Gladiator, but only slightly. Because Braveheart was extremely gory and violent. Okay, well, that's war. Just like Gladiator, it's violent. That's how it works. But I respect the character Maximus for not sleeping <laughs> with the woman. His wife was killed, but he still kept it in his pants. Sorry, there it is. There it is. In Braveheart, his wife was killed, but he fell for another woman, I guess, relatively quickly. That I did not think needed to be included in the story. If I was the director, Mel Gibson, I wouldn't have included that. I would have just said, okay, maybe you're kind of falling for her. Sure, you give her a little kiss, whatever. But did you have to sleep with her? I think there's much more honor in the gladiator who still, even if he was attracted to the the sister of the emperor, still being like, you know what? You're just not my priority. I'm sorry. I have a mission. (laughs) It's your brother. I'm going to take him out. And then once I do, I can move on with my life. So, there you have it. That's my excuse. Uh, Braveheart was more emotional, but the character was a bit more flawed in terms of morals. He wanted to kill all of England and sleep with the princess. (laughs) And Gladiator just wanted to kill the emperor and then try to move on with his life. There you have it. That is the bonfire analysis between the two movies, Gladiator and Braveheart, courtesy of Andrew Herzog. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Go back into your circles, your circle of friends, your family, and ask them the same things. Because I like these movies. They're both good Hollywood productions. And I thought the screenplay writing, the scripting, the dialogue was actually more intelligent, a little more interesting in Braveheart than Gladiator. So like I said, both these movies have a lot going for them. And Braveheart has a lot going for it too. But at some point, you got to make a choice. Which one would you pick as the superior movie? Yes, I would say Gladiator. Ask your friends and family, what do you think? I like these kinds of conversations, okay? And there is a time and a place for politics, but guess what? Not here! And not with this request from the bonfire. See if there are people in your life who have seen both movies. And then say, hey, what do you think? Which ones do you like? Those are fun conversations. And then it can get into these kinds of issues where you're like, well, that character I thought was a little bit more moral. I enjoyed this music over that music. They actually both have great soundtracks. And you think, well, I like how Mel Gibson did this in this movie. But then, uh, what's his face? Whoever directed Gladiator. I am blinking on his name. Whatever. (laughs) These discussions. Cultural discussions. That is what Bonfire is all about. And I love it!
1: (laughs) This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: The experts at web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than web.com. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service,
2: after which fees apply. This
1: is the Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog.
2: All right, something a little different here. Um, a shorter block and a different block. There is an article from the USA Today that I spoke about earlier on The Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson earlier uh, last week. Nearly 7 in 10 Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. What I, in today's world, it's very easy to spend your money. There are lots of things to buy. That's great. I mean, that's called capitalism, giving you lots of variety of things to eat your money. So the issue nowadays is more about self-control. Where should you be putting your money? And that depends on each person. Everybody's different. America's spend-first mentality is a genuine concern, says USA Today. The U.S. is often referred to as the land of economic opportunity. Apparently, it's also the land of consumption and spend everything you've got. We don't have to look for confirmation that Americans are generally poor savers. In July 2016, the personal savings rate was just 5.5%. Comparatively, personal savings rates in the U.S. 50 years ago were double what they are today. So people back in the day used to save more. Probably had a little more practicality in that matter. But now with the consumer economy that we have, which is, which is good to a degree, but too much of anything is bad. So here is here, a study that says the average American... <laughs> only saved about 5.5% as of 2016. So 70% of the country has less than $1,000 in savings. So think about that number yourself. If you had $1,000 sitting in the bank, whether you're single or you have a family, how far is that going to get you if you get laid off? Just Let's just do that scenario. Never mind a stock market crash a terrorist attack, God forbid, or something even worse. Let's just do your personal universe. If you're doing your thing, you go into work, all of a sudden, you are laid off. You no longer have a job. No more income. All you have is $1,000 in your savings. How far are you going to be able to get paying your bills? I would argue most of the country, that's going to last you one month. Maybe six weeks max. Now, that depends on other factors. Do you live with roommates or do you live by yourself? If you live by yourself, you're probably spending more on rent. If you live with your parents, then you're spending your money on credit card debt, food, a car, like car payments. Or hell, if you're borrowing something from your parents like that, maybe you're paying gas to use that car. Chances are a thousand bucks is not going to get you very far at all. That's why it's dangerous. Just for when you lose your job or you get hurt and you're not able to go back into work and your boss says, sorry, oh, you're injured. I can't keep you employed. You have to go on leave for a little bit. That's the best case scenario. If we get hurt, they just say, well, we'll kind of keep you on the books, maybe work something out, but you cannot be an employee of ours and we can't really give you a paycheck for the next three months, six months, whatever. Is 1000 bucks really going to do you much good? I don't think so. Now, that's why I kind of follow this, uh, this concept that I guess I discovered a year ago when someone told me. And then I read up on it and I thought, okay, that, that makes general sense. So, I've kind of started to employ it in my life. It's the 50-20-30 rule. Real basic. 50% of your money should be going to essentials. Like paying your bills, your rent, your utilities, your car, and the transportation. Like the gas of it, the insurance. Things like that that just keep you going back to your job to make more money. The food that you need to continue uh, chugging along. Things like that, your water bill, etc. Fifty percent are those; those are the things you need to continue living. Twenty percent should be for savings. Uh, sorry, twenty percent of your income should be put aside for savings. So if you're making 100 bucks a week, okay, then put aside 20 bucks a week for savings. That is meant for a rainy day. That is meant for you to invest down the road. You don't invest 20 bucks right now, okay? That's not worth anything. You invest when you've accumulated enough savings and then do with it what you will. Things like that. And then the 30, so 50, 20, 30, 30% is your discretionary income. Spend it on whatever the hell you want. Vacations, going out to the movies, buying video games, hobbies, those are the things that you do to make your present life a good one. 50%, take care of your responsibilities, pay your bills. 20%, plan for the future, start saving for the future so that when the crap hits the fan, you're not a deadbeat. And 30%, spend that to make yourself happy today. Spend that to make your family happy today, saying, hey, we're going to uh, Six Flags. We're going to go on a little vacation, just a weekend trip. We're going to drive to the next state over, and that's going to cost us some gas money. We need a hotel room, and we're going to do some sort of activity. We're going to a museum. Okay, that's the 30%. Those are the things you do not need, but you want because it makes you happy. It puts you in a good mood. It gives you some of a reason for living. Because if you do nothing but go to work and you clock in, clock out, that's a really depressing life. You always want to avoid that. We're human beings. We're not robots. You need to have some downtime if you obviously can afford it. You know, feel bad for the people who can't. We should always strive for that 30% also. Now, that this is a general rule of thumb. If you are in such dire straits, you're actually saying, well, I'm spending 80% of my income on my bills. Okay, well, that's terrible. That sucks. Um, then I hope you're spending 20% on savings, you realizing that you're in such a, a bad shape, you can't really afford to go out with your friends and say, hey, I'm going to go out and, for beers tonight and get drunk, have a good time. I, I don't think you can afford that. And if you want to be able to do that, then that's what motivates you to say, hey, I, I need to find another job. I need to find some other solution here so that I can bring in more money and knock that 80% down back down to 50%. And I'm not trying to live paycheck to paycheck. Which a lot of Americans are. Hell, a lot of people in the world are doing that, and it sucks. I don't know what the answer is, but I'm sure we can all find it one day. I have hope that uh, <laughs> you know, a situation will present itself, that economies, individuals, all come together to be able to figure out an idea to you know, relieve that stress. We're in the 21st century, for God's sake. We're not in the dark ages where everyone has to plow their own field, make their own clothes, build their own homes, get water from a well, boil it, and we're living with firewood, and that's it. No. Uh, there are parts of the world that live like that, and that's terrible. And uh, the wealthy countries like us have a responsibility to help at least figure out a damn way to resolve that issue. Not, now, I'm not saying the government. I'm saying as individuals. As individuals looking for charities, starting a charity, starting a business to say, I am going to go help those individuals, help themselves. Picking one another up. So there's my little rant on uh, financial situations. I hate finance. I do not enjoy it. Some people do. And that's perfectly fine. You know, to each his own. This is simply something I know I have to do. I say, all right, what is my budget? Uh, I'm going to spend this much on this bill that's coming down the road. Okay, I need to save for that. Uh, And then I have plenty of nights that I just go home and I say, I can't afford to go out tonight. I can't afford to go out of town this weekend. Everybody else can do it, but I can't, and I know it. I know I have bills that are coming up. Or I have something even more exciting coming up, say a vacation that I know. Well, i got to afford that. Um, I should start saving for it now, and then... I can absorb that vacation more easily without pushing my credit card debt. Living from paycheck to paycheck once I've gone on vacation. Nobody wants to do that either. You don't want to come back from vacation realizing, wow, I just spent a lot of money. I'm going to be paying this off for the next couple months, few months, living paycheck to paycheck, just barely squeaking by. That sucks. That's not going to be a restful vacation. You're going to be thinking the whole time, damn, why am I spending so much money? This is just going to come back to bite me later. So self-control now. Delayed gratification, easier said than done, but when you actually do it, you do it once, you think, wow, okay, that, that, that was pretty good. Hopefully you start to develop the habit to keep doing it, and the delayed gratification does feel much better. <laughs> it really does. Life is good when you plan at least a little bit. This is coming from me, the guy who likes to be spontaneous and not do a lot of planning. Planning stresses me out. That's my personality type. But hell, even just a a general rough sketch of an idea is better than nothing. I can say, well, I'm going to shoot for 10% savings, 20% savings, and I'll just shove it in uh, that account. I'll just leave it be. And I'll turn my attention back to paying my bills, being in the moment, uh, doing affordable or free things with friends and family. And then I'll realize, oh, wow, actually, look at that. I have some savings sitting over there. That's nice. That was convenient. So even a little bit of planning. A little bit of planning is better than nothing.
0: This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Don't miss Pat and Stew. Mick Jagger and the Stones are almost running neck and neck now with, um... Hugh Duffer. I mean, I don't know who my hero is more now. Hugh to Or the Stones? These guys... It's weird to have a, a, a hero that's so much younger than you, though, right? <laughs> well, that's... <laughs> yes pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m eastern on the blaze radio network
1: this is the bonfire on demand on the blaze radio network
2: Now, here's something that is 10 years old, but absolutely worth your time in case you haven't seen it yet. A a long documentary called Planet Earth. Yes, from the BBC. That bad boy got a 9.5 out of 10 on IMDb. 8.8 out of 10 from top documentary films. Um I bought the special DVD edition years ago. Um it does exist in, you know, HD uh Blu-ray disc. I didn't get that cuz I didn't have a Blu-ray player at the time. I just got a regular regular DVD. But that <laughs> that stuff is beautiful. This crazy ambitious, I think 10-year mission that the BBC said, "Here's what we need to do. We're going to get a great narrator, David Attenborough." And we're just going to spend years out in the wild in all different parts of the world showcasing the Icelands, the plains, the deserts, the caves, the oceans, the mountains. Let's do all of this and give it its own special, I think, maybe hour per environment. And so this special case DVD edition that I have, I think, probably has six DVDs. Each one has three or four sections on it. So about a dozen hours, I'm sure, of content, if not more. And you just sit there. Not only is it educational and you're sitting there thinking, geez, this is amazing. But it's just it's beautifully shot. It's not a lecture. There are no talking heads. And if it were, that would suck. But it's just shot in such a great way that it pulls you in. You think, I'm just going to keep watching. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and you think, how did they get that shot? How did someone sit there that long and wait and be patient? But it pays off. That's why it's, you know, an incredible success. So much so that now... There's Planet Earth 2. They're coming back around again with the same narrator, David Attenborough, and they're going to say, let's do it all over again. Let's see more of the Planet Earth. Now, I don't think that doesn't come out till 2019, I believe I read somewhere. So, a few more years. But I will patiently wait. I will now have to go back home and take out those DVDs and say, you know what, I'm feeling a little, a little intellectual right now. I'm going to take them out, learn something new, or rehash something that I forgot. And enjoy the footage. That is half of the fun. You're learning about our planet. And all the great creatures and environments that are out there. And you think, this is just amazing. Oh my gosh, it's out there? Because we're all so used to our day-to-day lives. We probably miss 95, 99% of this. And thank God BBC decided to say, this is a good idea. Let's go you know, dump our money into this. Yes, thank you. Oh, I'm reading right here. It says it was five years in the making. Okay. Super expensive. BBC spending five years dedicating to this project, Planet Earth. Now they're doing it again, Planet Earth 2. I love it. I love uh, documentaries. I love movies and TV shows and books and music. What is that? That's called culture. Okay, that is what Bonfire absolutely loves and supports in today's world. Entertainment and culture have always been an integral part of human history. We're human beings. Uh, I don't know. I don't think you can say that animals have a culture. You might say they have instincts and general behaviors. But I would not say that the lions on the plains of Africa have a culture of their own. I would not say that. I would not say that the minnows in the Atlantic Ocean have a culture of their own. Human beings do. So thankfully, there are people out there in the world who say, I am motivated to make a documentary. I'm an an intellectual like that, and yet I like video. So I'm going to combine the two. There are people out there who write original stories and say, hey, this is just for fun, but it's also to inspire. There are people who are historical, and they say, let's do a historical movie or a historical book and share this information with people because it's out of sheer curiosity that human beings do that, but it's also informative, maybe applicable to your daily life. All the above. The music, the art, movies, knowledge is culture, human culture. That is something I very much support. Uh, Of course, there are better aspects of culture than others. There's always negative people, depressing situations, evil occurrences. But I wouldn't call that culture. Culture is the generally agreed upon, maybe inclinations of a people in a certain part of the world so Americans have their own culture Europeans have their own and Aussies have their own okay the general culture that the bonfire supports and wants to talk about I think just inspires everybody makes me think more like hmm how can I do this better or wow that just really just gets my gray matter (laughs) all fired up and I'm just imagining all these great Possibilities and ideas, and it's just—it's invigorating as a human being because we use our minds. Okay, we're not just about food and you know satisfying our taste buds. We also need to get our brains and our minds churning. That's what you do with culture—the people who contribute to it through their art, their music, or their knowledge. All the above, great stuff. Highly recommend. Bonfire recommended documentary, Planet Earth. In case you haven't seen it, I'm not sure if it's on Netflix. I'm wanting to say no. Like I said, I have it on DVD, so I just popped it in the DVD player. But wherever you can find it, yes, highly recommended. Go watch it. It is well worth your time.
1: The Bonfire, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Don't miss the Chris Salcedo Show.
0: If you've really enjoyed what has befallen the United States in the last eight years, you haven't seen anything yet. And I am committed to making sure that Hillary Clinton is not the next occupier of the Oval Office. Because of what it means for this country, what it means for my children, it is 100% certainty. An end to the country that we know. The Chris Salcedo Show. Weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network.
1: This is the Bonfire. On demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog.
2: The final block for the Bonfire this week. A little article I found on Medium. My new favorite uh, app, also, on my phone. Takes you right to the website. Lots of great reading on there. Medium, the, you know, the publishing platform where anybody can write anything, really. But like I mentioned last time, I think a little bit more hmm, directed, a little more classy. Thought Catalog has a lot of just sex articles. <laughs> so if you're into that, okay, I guess that's your business. And whatever floats your freaking boat. Buzzfeed, just clickbait. Medium, where people, it's seemingly where I'm, what I'm finding, are people who are actually trying to write something worthwhile to get you thinking or provide a solution. Not clickbait and not trash. For example, Elle Kaplan. She wrote an article, and we'll share this online. How to destroy your stress and reclaim your life with the oxygen rule. Basically, she's saying, look, don't forget to neglect yourself. When you are on the airplane, we all know, the stewardesses and the uh, flight attendants all say it. They say, be sure that when we have a loss of cabin pressure, do we go ahead and use your mask on yourself first and then help others next to you? The implication being, look, take care of yourself first and then try to help somebody with their mask. Don't be a hero. Don't do it, Johnny. Don't try to grab their mask and give it to them without taking care of yourself first. I always found that interesting. There are plenty of places across society and the culture that say, think of others first. Okay, well, yes. But you can't just be blindsided and forget about yourself, because if you do, you're going to die, and then all of a sudden you're useless to everybody else around you. So now everybody dies. Okay, I think there is some logic to that. But that's what this oxygen rule here is that uh, L. Kaplan is talking about. So let me find the... Uh hmm... Good sense here. In order to be your best, most productive self, you must honor your needs as an individual first. We often forget about the most important part of business in life: our own health. So here are a few ways that you can stop the vicious burnout cycle that I would say most of us feel. Turn off for the day, meaning, when you go home, put your phone down, turn off your email notifications. Don't be answering emails. Don't be doing additional work when, once you get home. It's certainly this modern society that once you leave the job, a lot of us take our home work with us, uh, take our work home with us, there it is, (laughs) because they all know we have phones, we have email technology that you can keep up and work from home. Once you've gotten yourself into that habit, then of course, coworkers and bosses are going to assume, well, look, he went home, but so what? I can still have him get work done. Now there's no boundary. There's no difference between home and your work. You don't want to do that. You don't want to mix the two. When you go home, be home. Leave work alone. I do not believe that there is any job that is so die hard into the world that you have to be on 24-7 and be able to answer your phone. Uh maybe the only thing being the president of the United States. But he's also got help. He has assistance. Okay. There is still a division of labor. You need sleep. You need to recharge. Okay. <laughs> Don't eat lunch at your desk. Okay. I don't do that. When I get the opportunity to have lunch, I leave. I used to kind of bring my lunch to work. Or I'd go out and buy the lunch and then take it back to work. But now I'm in the habit because luckily I live uh, close to my house. I can just drive home and eat the food. Now, if you don't have that option, go buy the food. Or if you have food with you, just don't eat it at your desk. Either leave The room the building the the, uh, complex wherever eat it in your car drive up the street and just somewhere where you think oh this is a nice view and i'm just i'm physically out of the building i'm physically away from the work location and you do that just to kind of help your mind disconnect and get away from it take a break the value of walking away from something and then letting your mind subconsciously digest is i think real absolutely Stress levels can be off the charts when you take your homework with you, you're trying to be super productive and efficient, multitasking, getting everything done, and your mind is moving a million miles an hour. We're, like I said, we're human beings, not robots. You can't just keep going. And there is no shame in taking a break. There's no shame in someone saying, hey, can you do this for me? And you say, uh, no, sorry, my hands are full. I'd love to, but my hands are full. No, thank you. The other one, number three, use your vacation days. That should be a given. There's a study that says 55% of Americans don't use their vacation days. Does that sound about right? I think so. We are very much in a culture and uh, an economy here in America that is very gung-ho about working overtime. The harder you work, the more success you'll have. Okay. That, I feel, is too broad. Too generic. Not always true. You need to do what's best for you. I would argue every person needs a vacation. So if they give you PTO, use it. Use it or you lose it. A lot of companies do that. They say, well, at the end of the year, you didn't use it. It's gone. First of all, not only is that money that's gone, that is now no longer in your pocket, but mentally and emotionally, I think you're going to suffer. You should use your vacation days. Uh, Number four, yeah, here. Learn to say no. The Mayo Clinic sees the benefits of saying no as a form of stress management. They say when you say no to a new commitment, you're actually honoring your existing obligations and ensuring that you'll be able to devote high-quality time to those already. So when you try to take on too much, everything is going to suffer. Don't feel ashamed when you feel, I have enough on my plate already. I'm good. If you feel like you're struggling and you're bored, well, then, yeah, you can say, oh, you know what? Sure, I'll help you out. Or I'm going to tackle this project. I'm going to go spend my evenings doing this. Good for you. Great. That's what we need to be doing up until a point. And then calm the hell down. Don't go overboard. Number five, don't neglect time for yourself. Having some alone time. Yes, there are extroverts who do not thrive on alone time, physically alone time. They're getting their energy from being around other people. But Al Kaplan here is suggesting, look, um, don't hesitate to have some time by yourself, even just 10 minutes, okay? We're not talking an entire evening. We're not saying a whole weekend, just 10 minutes, so that you're able to focus on yourself. Look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, uh, am I clean? Did I brush my teeth today? Did I do my hair? Do I look frazzled? Um, am I exhausted? Are there bags under my eyes? Let me just go sit quietly in this chair for a few minutes because work really got me frustrated today. Let me just see if I can work this out mentally. And then when my roommate comes home, I'll talk to her about it and blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. But a little bit of alone time I think is healthy for everybody. Bottom line, L. Kaplan says, make self-care non-negotiable. By following the oxygen rule, you'll invest in your business by investing in yourself. So, yes, a little little more businessy, maybe was the article, but it absolutely does apply in your personal life. Don't do too much. You do need to spend some time by yourself. Learn to say no. Use your vacation days. And if you're someone who doesn't like to take a lot of time off of work, well then maybe take a Friday off here and there. Take a Monday off here and there and then you have an extended weekend. There are ways to make these things happen. You just got to do it. Don't think about it. I believe your emotional... Spiritual and physical self. We'll uh, we'll enjoy it. We'll appreciate it. So do yourself a favor. And look for a few ways to just pamper yourself. That's what she says. You know, if you need a massage, go for it. If you want to splurge on some dinner, and you think, you know what? I've worked really hard this week. I'm going to go get me a hamburger. Go for it. Okay? That's fine. If you want a beer, you want to say, tonight I'm going to go out with my buddies. We're going to get some beers and watch the baseball game. Great. Do it. Uh, it's all about that balance. Don't go overboard with with anything. Be a a self-respectable human being. You can do it. We can all do it. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to The Bonfire. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. A variety of topics between the movies, the movies, the uh, documentary, Planet Earth, some financial advice, which I was not expecting to kind of give on this podcast. But, hey, I'm open to anything except politics. And then, finally, the sort of Self improvement, businessy, entrepreneur article from L. Kaplan saying, Look, oxygen rule do not neglect yourself. That does not mean make life all about you, but don't forget about yourself. If you're giving time to others, make some time for yourself as well. You need both. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, the main website, bonfirethoughts.com. And with all the reading that I'm doing, I'm very optimistic. I think. The bonfire future is a bright one. And I think the the future for anybody who wants it is a bright one. You got to, as cheesy as it is, but it's true. Believe in yourself and choose to be happy. Choose to have a positive attitude. That really does make a difference. You are what you think you are in how you behave. If you choose to find the positivity, you will slowly become a more positive person. And then people will want to be around you. Life will be good. That's how it works. Andrew Herzog out.
1: This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network.